Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I have a guest in the studio with me today, which I love when that happens. But first, if you are new to Awaken Podcast, we have an episode releasing every Monday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, Anywhere podcasts are listened to, you can subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get this podcast out to more people so they can be blessed, strengthened, awakened by the gospel of Jesus. You can also go to YouTube. And so we've been pushing people to YouTube. We release a lot of video content now. And then even from 2016, when I was doing Facebook Lives, there's just hours and hours of interviews and free content on YouTube. So you could subscribe there. You could look up Michael Lombardo or look up Awakened Podcast by Michael Lombardo. All the links are going to be in the description section below. So regardless of where you're watching this or listening to this, you'll see links for you to click and you get access it in different places. And so today I have a friend of mine that's probably speaking too little. Like this is one of my closest friends in the world in the studio with me today. Um, his name is Gabe Castaño. He's been on the podcast before, I think a year or so ago. You recorded a couple podcasts with me. And so we're out here in Dallas, Texas together. He's the academic dean of Christ for the Nations Institute. He was also the best man at my wedding. <laughs> we went to Christ for the Nations together. And this guy was a rock for me. Um, one thing I'll say about Gabe that speaks very highly of who you are is that so many leaders at Christ for the Nations that we were just friends with would go to Gabe and vent and open up and Gabe would just sit there and he would listen. This guy could listen for an hour, two hours if he just kept talking. <laughs> and then he, I remember there was times where he would just listen, but he'd be listening to the Lord and then he would just drop the wisdom and the revelation that's needed in the moment. And so anyway, Gabe, I appreciate you. I love you, man. Your friendship's uh, means a lot to me. Yeah, likewise. It's a blessing <laughs> to be here, man. Come on, dude. And so uh, Gabe as well is um, a part of Awaken Dallas. For those who um, listened to some previous episodes, my wife and I were planning a church in Dallas, Texas called Awaken Dallas. Our first gathering is on February 17th. Uh, doors open at 630. If you click awakendallas.com, the link below, you'll get more information about that. But uh, Gabe's running with me, gives me a lot of strength, you know, a lot of uh, joy to do that just because he's a rock. He hears from the Lord. He's a papa. You know, when it, when Gabe starts talking, you'll you'll, you'll see. All right. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure yeah. to drop, you know, mighty revelation, yeah. but it just happens. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And so, bro, so good to have you here, man. And I know you said you wanted that you really had on your heart to talk about community, right. which I think is essential in this time. It is. Mm. Yeah. Especially with, um, you know, a lot of the rhetoric and a lot of the uh, negative energy, to put it lightly, that's mm. kind of circulating within our country specifically. Absolutely. Um, it's really being capitalized, excuse me, capitalized on by leaders, you know, so even uh, political leaders, those that are in the, the highest positions of authority yes, are seizing opportunities through divisive narratives rather than to lead people to bring unity. It's, it's to pit people against each other for the sake of political gain, for the sake of ideological conviction. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, it's, you know, your neighbor is, is, uh, is someone to destroy if they're not in a position that's in agreement with yours. And it's, oh, it's so such true. a, it's such a, an assault on, on the principles of community, which are God ordained and something that, diversity. you know, in spite of all of our chaotic background and in, in dark narratives and realities of America's past and even some of the things present, um, the unity component has always been, you know, kind of a founding principle in that aspect where unity in the midst of diversity, that's a very God, uh, God birthed conviction because, uh, you know, you see this, you see this a lot, particularly in scriptures, things I like to highlight, especially with my students, mm-hmm. um, because there is this sense with all these, you know, denominations, like you say, within Christianity or whatnot. You know, people are always kind of trying to pick what is right, like who's the most right, you know, who's the most right person, who's the most is right person. The Pentecostals, the evangelicals, yeah. the Baptists. Yeah. Know? And we have the reasons why we are separated from you and the reasons why you're less than us and why you're not as on point as we are. But that's not what you see in the first church, as people, you know, kind of put it. I, I like how if you just take uh, Jesus's disciples, mm. you have a wide spectrum of people. You know, and I think this is one of the things that uh, the Chosen series does well in highlighting. It's just mm-hmm. the diversity within the followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you have someone that's like a tax, 
tax collector like mm-hmm. Matthew mm-hmm. that culturally would be super offensive to the Jews. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah you are the enemy of the people of God. You mm-hmm. are, a, you're, you have betrayed us. You are the worst of the worst mm-hmm. going on a, you know, being right next to someone named Simon, the zealot, who's like, I will kill you if you are in opposition <laughs> yeah. to God's purposes. I mean, these, you know, there's many people, you know, there's all different, you know, levels of zealotry, you know, for those that were mm-hmm. called zealots, but you know, many of them were cloak and dagger people that, you know, they would keep oh, sure. a short sword underneath their cloak. And if they saw a Roman guard, you know, <laughs> alone and they saw an opportunity, you know, they might just go for it, go for it real quick and <laughs> drop that person and disappear into the crowd. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, and that's it. So the likelihood that Simon the Zealot was somebody who had, or was willing to kill people that were a threat to Israel's sovereignty and to God's purpose for that nation is, is very high. Mm-hmm. And yet that, that, that individual was in the same company as one of the most despised people, you know, mm-hmm. for Israel. And you got fishermen that are rugged, you know, there's just all different. You, you got, I mean, even Judas was a part of that crew and, and Jesus mm-hmm. knew what he was capable of. And yet sure. he was still offered the body and the blood and the, at the table, mm-hmm. he was invited into everything just the same. So Jesus didn't seem to tell Simon, don't ever call yourself a zealot again. You're my follower because he keeps being referred to as Simon the zealot. And these things are being written after uh, Jesus's uh, death and resurrection and ascension. And even. um, Yeah. Well into the church's growth. Yeah. And even after Paul's letters, like most of the gospels are written likely after Paul wrote a lot of his his letters to the churches so they're you know they're bringing this stuff up for a reason and they're kind of showing who was there yeah but even when you get into acts the first dispute that broke out was between the hebraic jews and the hellenistic jews Mm -hmm. it doesn't say you know a a spat broke out between followers of jesus it these people are still identifying themselves by certain tribal Mm -hmm. principles so a hellenistic jew is like greek culture is amazing we need to embrace it Mm-hmm. We're Jews, yes, but don't despise the Greeks. But Hebraic Jews were like, do not let Greek culture infiltrate us. It's an offense. And yet the that's the first spat that broke out within the church is between these two groups of people. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it still says that those were the groups of people, but they're all following Jesus. Yeah. So could you – so insert whatever, and a spat broke out between Catholics and mm-hmm. Protestants. Mm-hmm. Are we following Jesus or whatnot? So what you see is even on a practical level is that um, God is always reinforcing community and he's not making people drop the identifiers of whatever culture they're coming out of when they start following him. It's like they're accepted where they're at. And so, you know, you got a lot of people with the political climate in America that are, say, on the left, so to speak, looking at right wing people and saying, you know, how can you – say that you're followers of Jesus and, and hold the convictions that you have. And then the same things on the other side, how can mm-hmm. you, how can you call yourself a Christian and, mm-hmm. and be a Democrat? You know, it's just, it, it's, but I don't, I don't think that's the question that's right. I think it's, it's more what someone's position is before the Lord and, and how their value within a community, even if their views are in opposition to yours, because there's no real way to bring about unity unless you're willing to deal with people that think differently than you and you give them space for that, you know? And so that's, that's a really important thing. And so community is not just some perfect group of people that all say yes and amen to the same thing. Community is something that you intentionally engage with realizing that it's going to take compromise and you may even be rubbed the wrong way, but you, you value unity over division Mm. and that um, at all costs, you'd be an agent of peace. Yeah, bro. Well, th- even just read. I'm just going to read Psalm 133 really quick because I think it just beautifully expresses the Lord's heart for unity. But it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore right i I love that last part because it just even shows the manifest blessing and favor and presence of god when there is unity right 
um, and in an atmosphere where people's hearts, like even in a in a in a space where we gather and we worship, you know, in our churches where people's hearts are unified in worship and centrality of Jesus and adoring Jesus, just the sweet presence of the Lord, the favor of God, his nearness, that grace that pours out on people's hearts for freedom, for life, for hearing his voice. And there's just so much power in that. No wonder why the enemy wants to bring division. No wonder why the enemy is seeking hard to divide, to plunder. You know, it even just talks about in Proverbs chapter six, it says, these are six things the Lord hates. And it goes into a few things the Lord hates. And it ends with a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife or brings division, some versions say, among brothers. Like, That like that grieves the Lord's heart. It's a work of the enemy. It's the enemy right. trying to get a foothold in a community to divide us, to isolate us. Even in COVID, the isolation that took place, right. people staying in their homes, that's the enemy's playground. He could speak lies to us. We could be trapped in our addictions and our pain and our but when you're in that place of community, things come to the light and there's and there's love and there's that power and that that blessing where there's unity. And so just kind of want to lay that framework there because God is after unity. Sure. He wants a unified bride. Right. And um, no wonder why we see so much division in the U S in the church yeah. <laughs> worldwide right now. Yeah. You know, there's that there's, and it's interesting how often uh, division is, is justified through how right you think you are about something. <laughs> and I think that's, that's one of the big hurdles because it's easy to have it's easy to say that we should be united when you're all thinking the same thing about something that you hold to be right like is it is it right that uh this is where chi- you know offenses against children mm-hmm. are like hugely unifying mm-hmm. because everybody can understand kind of the innocence and the helplessness of a child oh, and when yeah. injustices are committed against them mm-hmm. you know most people in with regardless of their leanings will not tolerate or you know um or disagree any kind uh, of violence or victimization yes, of children Absolutely. yeah you know it just it just kind of comes together so there's issues like that but then when you get into things that are more related to conduct perspective, usually more adult driven mm-hmm. kind of narratives and conflicts. It's interesting how people get insecure if somebody thinks differently or believes differently, mm. you know? So even those that like myself mm. who didn't walk with the Lord, you know, all their life um, and really was surrounded by mainly people that are not called Christian and not, mm-hmm. you know, have are not thinking about faith and beliefs or just thinking about navigating this world, how to have a better position. Sure. Um, you know, how many times I've seen the temptation within myself or for those that have also come out of that lifestyle, it's, it's, it's common that once someone comes to a, an awareness of righteousness and that God has set them free for something that they can often become a critic of the very, you know, the place they came from. They just place that they came from. It's like, yeah. well, what is wrong with you? Why didn't? Why don't you do this? And then if somebody says, well, I don't, you know, you tell somebody that uh, that knows your previous way of life about the things that Christ has done for you, and then they sit back and go, mm. well, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't even believe Jesus is a person that existed. You know, and then you get, you can get upset and kind of want to go, how can you say that? Like you can't do this. That your soul's in danger of of hell or whatnot. And you just t- kind of wind up taking this approach of almost um, like being threatened by somebody who disagrees or doesn't value the same way as you do. And that's a real temptation for, for everybody on small levels and big levels. Mm-hmm. But when it trans, when it becomes big levels, when it comes to levels of governance and how we actually function as a society, you really see how negative that can be and really how destructive it can be because that's what's happening in the moment. It, we are not – people are incapable of having conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people in, in in every way, but we are yeah. not being modeled. Our leaders are not doing a good job of modeling the fact that they could have a conversation with people who disagree with them. It's 100%. it's pretty much a demonization mm-hmm. of anyone that's, that's in disagreement. And uh, yeah. nobody wants – it doesn't matter whether you're spiritual or not. If something is demonized, you don't – you don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You can destroy that thing. Mm-hmm. And demonizing of a human being is is a is a real oh, is man. a scary thing because oh, yeah. um, 
if somebody is no longer human in their sight because of what they think or believe, mm-hmm. uh, you're capable of anything towards them, and they don't. They cease to have the kind of rights yep. that um, that should be given to every human being. Mm-hmm. But about us as the church, I think that we really need to get this. It's been disturbing and kind of disheartening for me to see, like even on social media, you know how Christians sometimes react. Uh, to when worldly people, people that don't know the Lord intimately, right. um, live their lives. I know that we need to take a righteous stand. I know that we need to protect our children and protect the family structure. And there's some things going on in the world that are toxic, that if we did mm-hmm. let them into our, our churches and into our families, then it would have a negative adverse effect. And we need to be able to be as bold as lions, right. to be able to share the truth in our hearts according to the Word of God. But at the same time, we share the truth in love. <laughs> you know, right. and like we love that he's a lion, but we don't also we don't always love to represent the fact that he's a lamb, right? As well, he is a lamb slain. He is a lion of Judah. But he's also the lamb slain, right? right? And so, when to speak up in love and when to be quiet right. and and move on instead of showing the world an image of what a Christian is is intolerant and mm-hmm. rude and angry and super religious trying to push their views down everyone's throat or whatever it may be mm-hmm. because Jesus said that the world is going to know that we're followers of him based on our love that we have for one another. And I love even before we got on this podcast, you shared a little bit what's on, on your heart in terms of the the Pauline epistles and how he dealt with the churches and, and the community aspect that's revealed there because I think it starts it starts in the church. Like the church is meant to be his bride. The church is meant to be his hands and feet in the earth and are meant to bring unity and meant to release the kingdom and meant to show the world what it's like to be in union with God through Christ. Right. And so I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, and I think I think it's a good example because it it, it goes back to, you know, you said uh, you got to speak the truth in love, and that's that's accurate. That's one hundred percent true. And you also need to understand what is your motive when you speak what you call truth mm-hmm. and love, because. If the motive, like you'll see a lot of, uh, like on YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be religious, but it could be. It could be preacher destroys atheist or, mm-hmm. you know, so and so destroys leftists, you know, and it's just sure. this, this clickbait thing mm-hmm. that like watch how this person who believes what I believe destroys somebody who doesn't believe what we believe or we just highlight like, Oh, these charismatics got it all wrong or whatever it may be. And yeah. it's just like, just the highlighting of just like, look at these believers yeah. that we disagree with and how foolish they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's, and it's like, that is such a, that's just such a stupid motive, like it, or an unproductive one. Yeah. Because if you are right, you should be then that's only the first stage of responsibility is understanding mm-hmm. truth. This next thing is uh, the next stage of that responsibility is what is your capacity one, to grow in truth yourself, but two, to help others grow into that truth. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find people that don't under, that are in all different um, levels of nearness to that truth from either kind of right at the tip of understanding to don't even think that, that's a, that what you're highlighting matters. Yeah. How do you reach people? Like how do you draw them in? You know, how do you and, – and so – you know, this mentality that's there that's like, who's the guy that knows everything that can kind of just smash all opponents with mm. truth, you know, and let's find him and let's release them on the community and then everybody will kind of mm. repent and line up. Yeah. And so there can be a false understanding even with someone like Paul, like that's the way that he's that he's saying he's the apostle, he's anointed by Jesus, he had an encounter with him, and so when he comes, he just sets everything right, he's in the power of the Spirit, and everyone yeah. just everyone <laughs> just bows underneath his revelation. And it's it's like, yeah. no, it's clearly, all you got to do is read the scripture and you understand that that's not the case. Like, sure. he's constantly having to defend why they should listen to him at all. He's like, he why is I'm wrong? not that impressive when I talk in yeah. person, but, oh, I'm bold in my letters, and he just saw, I came with fear and trembling. Yeah. And- do you, do you cease to love me because I tell you the truth. It seems the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Like it's mm, like, wow. there's this conflict that's happening and he's raising up his voice and he's commuting, communicating to these people on how to be a community, how to be in communion with Jesus, how to be in communion with each other, what that looks like, how to identify things that are obstacles to the community. 
even though everybody that's listening to him doesn't necessarily agree with everything that he's saying. But then on top of it, he's not the only one saying what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes we think, okay, well, Paul wrote these letters. So he's just the guy with the revelation, one man telling everybody else how it is. And you just need to conform to that. But if you, well, just do a surface reading and pay attention. You know, a lot of his letters let you know that he's not writing by himself. Mm -hmm. He's writing with somebody, mm -hmm. you know, he, or he's writing with somebody's like he's, you know, so to the Galatians, he says, you know, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he begins to, you know, kind of make some statements. And then he says, and all the brothers that are with me or and all the brothers and sisters that are with me, all the brethren who are with me. Yeah, yeah it's he's he, and so what he's saying is what I'm about to say has been processed in the presence of a community, which means that Paul, in all his revelation and understanding, has submitted himself to fellow believers and has asked them questions, has has processed what he is about to say with them to see if he's going about it the right way. And then in the presence of many, he begins to speak mm -hmm. what he's going to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how many times he said it's Paul and Timothy to the churches. It's Paul and Sosthenes to the church in. It's Paul, you know, and there's just these references like me and someone else or me and others are communicating mm -hmm. to you. And I think there's just such a beautiful, um, you know, kind of principle to be gleaned from that and sure. that he's, you know, the apostle to the Gentiles and he's having conversations with people yes. all around him. He's submitting his revelation, you know, to the common understanding, you know, is this agreed with by two or three witnesses? And, you know, it's almost like he wants to make sure that he's on solid footing. And then when he communicates a message which, you know, the individual kind of American tends to read scripture as though an individual or God is speaking to you personally and directly mm -hmm. rather than – and it's okay that God does do that at times. You know, he speaks to us through the scripture. I'm not diminishing that aspect of it, but that's not how the scripture came into existence. The scripture came into existence by communities of people communicating to communities of mm -hmm. people things that are relevant to communities of people mm -hmm. so that individuals would understand – their responsibility in the context of community yeah. because a lot of the things that matters to God matters not because of what is individually okay for you to do or not do. It matters because what you do or don't do has far more influence and effect than you realize. Oh, 100%, you know. And I even love the stats and things you were sharing um, when we were talking about this because, you know, Paul, he, he submitted what he believed was a revelation that the Lord gave him, was a revelation the Lord gave him. He submitted that even, I think it says it in Galatians. He said, I went to see Peter and I went to yep. see James and I went to see, you know, those who are anointed of the Lord that were over the churches. And I submitted my revelation in hopes that I wasn't running in vain. In vain. Like he's Yo. putting everything on it. Yo, yeah. Like their, their, what they, their response is, mm -hmm. has that level, yeah. you know, of effect for him. I know. It's just, that's like incredible. Just even the humility in that statement, instead yeah. of just being like, this is what the Lord gave me. I'm just going to run with it. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. You know, if you didn't hear from God, you didn't hear from God. I know you're anointed. I know you're a leader. Maybe God showed me something different and I'm going to run with that too. But even he was addressing communities, Ephesians, that was the church in Ephesus, right. you know, Thessalonians, that's a, that's the church in Thessalonica. And so mm. he's addressing bodies of believers and he is strengthening areas that are strong he's speaking and reminding he says i'm reminding you guys again you know mm -hmm. peter said that paul said that he's mm -hmm. like it's okay to remind you mm -hmm. to stir you in these areas so that it's always before you and then you're always walking in this reality and this truth but then he goes into like rebuking and correcting some things yeah. that are done very very wrong within community i'm thinking yeah. of corinthians right now yeah. and you know. case case and point yes. <laughs> yeah at first yeah. corinthians he's just bringing just oh you're a follower of jesus you're a follower of you know of paul you're a follower of cephas you're a yeah. follower of all these individuals yeah. you know what i mean and he's correcting us i'm glad i only baptized a couple of you guys because yeah. you'd be saying everyone would be a follower of paul and not of jesus right you know and even just the effects of what takes place in community, like when, when a community is strengthened, the glorious fruit that comes from it, just like we read in Psalm 133, the power of God is present. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is there. There's unity. Jesus is being magnified. The favor of God, the oil of the Lord is pouring out. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. There's liberty uh, from captivity. There's revelation in moments like that. There's mm -hmm. the bond of love. 
There's peace that, you know, stirs, you know, settles our anxious hearts in moments like that. And it's kingdom and it's life. Mm -hmm. But then also within the context of community, when certain things are tolerated, that's of darkness. Right. When there's individuals that have influence because there's an anointing and a calling on their lives and people know who they are, they have a good reputation and they fall into some sin publicly and they're leading people astray. The effects that has, the ripple effects that has on the community, not to push people to Jesus, but to draw people away from the Lord. And so it's it's pivotal. And if you're in community and if you want to see a community that burns for the Lord and a community that's biblical, you know, where the truths of God are manifesting, where it's going to be, it's going to be messy yeah. at times. It will be. <laughs> it will 100%, be. 100% because people mm-hmm. are messy. Mm-hmm. But that's also where true character is demonstrated, you know, and I, I say this with my students, but I don't say this with my students like I don't need to learn from it. It's just something I commonly repeat and you got to repeat it to yourself as well. But yeah. You know, obviously we're a charismatic school community, uh, Pentecostal rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, so signs, wonders, miracles, you know, things like that are, are a value, mm-hmm. you know, and we desire that and we believe God still does those things today. So it's easy to say to a room full of people that think that, believe that, want that. How many of you want to uh, yeah. see the dead raised? Mm-hmm. Woo! You know, Cheers. <laughs> How many of you want to see the sick healed? You know, cheers. Mm-hmm. How many of you want to see uh, demons cast out? Cheers. Do you know what you have to be around for that to happen? You have to be around death, sickness, and demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're around death, you feel the power of it. Mm-hmm. You're around sickness, ever been in a hospital, anybody you've loved ever been truly ill, you know, especially these terminal illnesses, you know, how many people have lost loved ones to cancer. You don't feel like cheering mm-hmm. in the presence of that, looking at watching somebody go through chemo treatment and radiation and um, ever been around a demon. They're not good company. Mm-mm. So, you know, you have to be around these things and have to learn how to stand in authority on a lever that is greater than these things in order to truly confront these things. Mm-hmm. Now, that's more on kind of spiritual power dimensions, but spiritual power is also demonstrated in character. You know, So do you want to be a person of mercy? Do you value mercy as a quality? How do you know that you're a merciful person? How do you know that you've grown in mercy? You got to be around circumstances and people that do things to you or do things to others where all you want to do is bring down the gavel, (laughs) the judgment, and you can stand in that place and have mercy. Do you want to be a person of peace? How do you know that you have a peace that passes understanding? How do you know that you have a peace that the world doesn't give, which is just outward circumstances being at peace? Mm -hmm. But the peace that Jesus gives is a peace that is inward in spite of circumstances. So Jesus could have peace in his heart while facing execution. A storm. Yeah. It's, yeah, in the middle of, sleeping in the middle Mm -hmm. of a storm that scared fishermen. Oh, yeah, a storm that would bring death on a normal occasion. Yeah, and these are like water people. Like they know, (laughs) they're not, you know, they're not ignorant. They're not babies with storms. Like if they're afraid. They've been in the water their whole lives. They're legitimately assessing the level of that storm. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is knocked out in the bottom of the ship just totally resting, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you ever prayed, you know, God, I I want, I want to be more patient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get ready. You get ready because (laughs) how do you grow in patience except to be in circumstances where everything inside you is impatient. You go to the DMV and you wait at the doctor's office for three hours and you, (laughs) like this, you know, these things are practically cultivated and Mm -hmm. practically expressed. Mm -hmm. So you want to be a person to love. You can't, it's hard to be a person to love in isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I mean, you can love God, you can love yourself, you know, and there's some people that do have kind of those calls to, you know, Mm -hmm. towards a more kind of monastic reality than others. But, um, but for the majority of people, apart from really unique circumstances, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be in the midst of communities, Mm -hmm. like whether you're a person of love, whether you're a person of wisdom is really demonstrated in your effect and your ability within others 
you know? And so I kind of, I like to use the illustration that, you know, are we just doctors who are able to diagnose, but aren't able to heal? Cause kind of, that's what it seems has characterized a lot of cultural discussions, uh, recently is just the, um, I can identify what is right and what is wrong, but I can't do anything to heal that. So if somebody could tell you that you have cancer in your body and then you say, well, what do we do about it? And they go, oh, I, I don't know. I just, I can just let you know you got it. Mm-hmm. What a shame, you know, what a, what a horrible predicament to be in, you know, to have somebody that has enough wisdom to see the problem, but not enough wisdom to actually bring a resolution. Yeah. And so that's the next level. Are we a really a wise people? Are we are we really a people of love? Are we really committed to the well-being of the community that may not even like you because Jesus came to his own and his own didn't receive him, but his commitment was to the betterment of humanity and he did that in spite of whether humanity got better or not. That's right. But as far as his life was concerned, that was always his position and he never sowed a seed that wasn't redemptive. That wasn't that wasn't kind of putting that deposit of of God's nature into everything that he did. And he did not multiply or reproduce any bad seed that was delivered to him. So that's you know, you see that in scriptures like being reviled. He didn't revile in return like mm-hmm. a, or like a sheep led to the slaughter. So he did not open up his mouth. Mm-hmm. So people are a certain way towards him, but he never used it like. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what they did to them, what they did to him, mm-hmm. and yet he would not do that in return because then he would become like them. Mm-hmm. And the and part of the redemptive nature is to be redemptive within your community. Mm-hmm. And there's a cost to that. That's why it's picking up a cross. Like it, it's a cross life. It mm-hmm. if you want to see change in your society, you got to be that. Mm-hmm. And the level of commitment it takes to be that in your society is the kind of one who can trust God enough to, to endure a cross. It's that life of self-denial. Yeah. <laughs> you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Cause self loves to rear its ugly head. And at the, at the root of offenses, at the root of strife and, and division is, is an exaltation of self. Right. <laughs> How I feel. I was, you know, treated wrong you know, that's not fair for me or for that person or for that community or that individual. You know, it's that it's pride at the root of so much, this selfishness, this self-focus, um, instead of exalting Christ and his purposes and coming to a place of humility at the word of God saying, like, I don't know everything that I think I know and love triumphs over judgment and yeah. all these amazing realities, you know, yeah. um, I take it on another level, like, you know, the, the, the mystery of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, one God that created a world, that spoke a world into existence, put a man in it, took a woman out of the man's side, and said, now you have a mission to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion, spread the family of God in the earth. Like the Lord is after a family. He Mm -hmm. is a father, (laughs) and Jesus was his son, and there's Mm -hmm. many sons and daughters that come forth from right. that reality, many sons that come to glory even says that in Isaiah 53, where it goes into Jesus's sufferings and that the purpose of that was to bring many sons to glory. And it goes into that reality. And so I just, you know, the Lord is jealous over his people. He loves us so dearly and he knows that sin destroys us, harms us, affects us. And when we yield and submit ourselves to things that are not godly, to lies, to sin, the the results are disastrous and right. don't just affect our lives, but affect those that we're in community with, right. whether it be in a church, you know, body or whether it be in our own families, our wives, our kids, our wife, our kids are not wives. We're not King David in the Old Testament. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not my, my we're not going Old Testament here with the wives. You know, I'm just talking about plural. Everyone's, you know, our spouse, our children, um, you know, when it comes to our mothers, our fathers, the people in our lives, you know, they get affected, you know. Right. And so just I just see the Lord jealous over us and he hates sin because sin hurts and harms us. Right. And Jesus died to bring us back to the father. And it's not by works. You know, it's by grace through faith. He loves us and he's never going to stop loving us. 
but he also loves those in our lives. Yeah. And when we make a choice to be selfish, when we make a choice to lash out in anger, when we make a choice to speak out something harmful, when we make a choice to do something that goes against his nature and goes against his commands, um, it's like, whoa, like the ripple effect of pain, the ripple effect of sins, of, you know, the, the, the damaging effects of sin mm-hmm. begin to harm other people. Mm-hmm. And that's where, when we begin to walk in the fear of the Lord and we stop thinking about ourselves, but also think about others. What's good for us in this moment, how we feel as a father, as you know, as a father, there's choices that I make that maybe in the moment I feel like I want to do something else. You know, that's more self-gratifying, but I care about my children more than I care about myself. Right. And I know that my choices are going to affect my family, my wife, my children, people in my life. And so anyway, that's just another aspect of community. I just feel like the Lord, he loves family and he's he wants us so, so deeply to live within community. He wants to pour out unity, he wants to pour out grace. Um, but at the same time, we need to see that aspect as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's definitely... I think that's, I think I shared with you privately or personally mm-hmm. in the past, just on, um, I think it's first Timothy where, you know, Paul basically tells him that if a person, uh, desires to be an overseer, he desires a noble cause, mm-hmm. but that individual should be the husband of one wife mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go back to Good the words thing, you know. <laughs> people have 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 taken that and run with it to say, "Oh, we could have multiple wives." And if you're not a leader in the church, <laughs> yeah, or or that it just means that anybody that's ever been divorced is is disqualified from from leadership, mm, and that's true, it's true. actually dealing within the culture. It's not talking about ever having been divorced. It's actually talking about the number of wives that you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to be a husband of one wife, mm-hmm. and you got to know how to raise your kids. And the fruit of you knowing how to raise your kids is what your kids act like, mm-hmm. what your kids, how your kids function. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you want to have responsibility in God's family, you got to show that you can actually raise your family mm-hmm. and that that's the standard mm-hmm. for oversight. Mm-hmm. And so it's never, and how many families have been sacrificed, you know, on the altars of ministry. Mm. Yes. In the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. I got to do what God called me to do. Maybe there was a misunderstanding on what God's call was because family is the first ministry. Family is the first institution. There wasn't a temple there uh, built by human hands. And there was a garden built by God's hands. Mm-hmm. And he began with a family. That's how he started. Maybe there was a genuine call, but there was an imbalance in how it was fleshed out. And there was an over-obsession with that over other things that were meant to steward in our lives, you know? Yeah, and and that's in how much that affects a community. So then you you justify your overall effect on a larger community at the cost of a community that you have day in and day out, 24 hours a day because you're family. And how much, how many... People have you met that are pastors' kids or whatnot mm-hmm. that have kind of come out of that that have to go through this restoration process mm-hmm. um, in their walk with the Lord and and even in their own kind of personalities because they've you know they've they've been raised in these environments. So you know the family component is God's primary model for what community should look like. Yeah, you know, and that how you are, which, cause it usually can draw out the best of you if you'll let it, you know, your wife being married and having a spouse, uh, you know, selfishness doesn't really work in that context, no, yeah. you know, and growth can't really happen unless you really learn somebody, learn what their heart is, learn what their, their issues are, learn what their dreams are and, and become committed, um, uh, to their maturation, regardless of uh, how you feel day in and day out, it's you know there's a there's a larger commitment that's at work there. And into you want to know how good you are at discipling? How do you raise kids that you've that you've mm-hmm. got with you day in and day out? They've got you all the time, mm-hmm. and what you do with them gives you the tools for what can be done 
you know, with others. And it also gives a lens if done correctly. I know that there's a lot of damage with families that just because someone's in a family doesn't mean that the father is doing things right or mom's doing things right or, you know, things don't happen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the, the ideal, the standard is that if you treated the world like you did your family, what would the world look like? Mm. If everybody embraced that, uh, that standard, you know, what would, how many times do fathers have to prepare their daughters for the kind of men they're going to encounter Mm -hmm. and wish that it wasn't so, but maybe potentially be that man themselves Mm -hmm. to other people's daughters Mm -hmm. while trying to raise their own daughter to avoid those type of men. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in one sense, you're trying to deposit in, in your daughter one way of being and one standard for men while at the other side, while on the other side, you're actually sowing the very seeds of the kind of man mm-hmm. that you don't ever want your daughter to have to deal with mm-hmm. because the girls you're that way with are not your daughter. Mm-hmm. But what if people really looked at it like that? They looked at women and said, I don't want to treat her the way that I I want to treat her the way that I would want my sister to be treated. Mm -hmm. I will treat her the way that I want my mother to be treated, you know, and Mm -hmm. took that kind of perspective. I'm going to treat this man the way that I would want my brother to be treated. I want to treat this man the way I want my father to be treated. Mm -hmm. And you use kind of the standard of your family as an, as a guiding ethic, you know, that alone would transform the world, mm-hmm. you know, to just do that. But there's yeah. so much rationalizing as to why you don't have to care about anybody else and you should only care about yourself. And a lot of that is based on people being selfish. And mm-hmm. so then you justify being selfish as well because other people are that way towards you. So you'll just be that way in return. But what happens is that the cycle becomes perpetuated rather than broken. Mm-hmm. And so the principles that kind of Christ gives us both individually and as a community, if we embrace them and follow things that he says actually breaks the cycles Mm. of these corruptive patterns that destroy not just individuals, but communities. Yeah. A prayer that I've been praying, you know, it's, it's in the Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 139, you know, where it talks about, you know, King David uh, says, if there's any wicked way or any way in me that does not line up with you, Lord, lead me down the way everlasting. Right. Right. And I feel like for those who are listening to this or watching this right now, it's okay. Well, what are some practical things that I can do to start walking in that direction? I recognize I've been a prideful person, a selfish person, a divisive person. Maybe I've isolated a lot because of hurt, offenses, pain. Maybe I've been that person that spoke out boldly, but not in love, um, tearing people down instead of building people up. Um, and so I think first of all, it just, um, there's, there could be no transformation outside of the presence of God and the word of God. And so I think that it it starts with repentance. It starts with Lord, search me, find me, sanctify me, spirit, soul, and body until the coming of the Lord. Like Jesus, like I want my heart, my intentions to be pleasing. Like I can't change myself. You change me. You know what I mean? Highlight things in my heart and in my life, come to that genuine place where you lay it down before the Lord. And then from there, like, get me in the word. Give me some truth. You know, I want to start renewing my mind because that's where transformation takes place. It's like I love Romans 12, 1 and 2 because it talks about, you know, rendering a reasonable service of worship as laying down on the altar, right. <laughs> as presenting your body yeah. as a living sacrifice yeah. on the altar of God as our reasonable service of worship. So that's that's living a lifestyle of of I'm yours, my life is yours, mm-hmm. my heart is yours, my life's not my own. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it goes into the next verse saying, now we need to renew our minds so that we could walk in transforming power to know what the pleasing and the good and the perfect will of God is. And so I just want to end this podcast with that because I feel like there's people watching this, there's people listening to this. You might be saying to yourself, wow, I could see these tendencies in me. I could see how I have made choices or I've got certain mentalities that have left some wrecks behind me. And there's a current issue or current pain in my life because of how I've been. 
Hey, listen, we all need Jesus every day, every hour, every moment. You can't change yourself. He is the one that transforms us from the inside out. And when we behold him, we become just like him. And so it's laying our hearts down on the altar in in, in a moment of prayer, in a moment of intimacy. And then the Lord begins to just come with his grace and with his transforming and empowering presence. And hey, is there going to be a process? Potentially. Could he rip it out in one moment and you begin to walk in humility and kindness and gentleness? Absolutely. Is there most likely going to be a process of the renewing of the mind where we have to check our hearts and we have to, in moments where similar feelings or thoughts rise up, we need to you know, go back to the word and have some scriptures in our heart that we constantly meditate on and mutter over ourselves. Absolutely. The Lord loves instant um, breakthrough and instant freedom. He does that a lot. And then he also loves to walk with us in the process Mm -hmm. of beginning to live out a new way of life um, through Christ. And so Gabe, can we just, can we pray? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know the Lord, he is, um, I see it. I see churches getting more unified. I see um, individuals being convicted in this area. I see people drawing close, craving real community. Um, I see the Lord shining a light in a lot of areas, but there's still there's still work to be done, right? And um, the change we shouldn't be pointing at people. Uh, you know, we everything will be better if this person. Everything will be better if that person. That's the fruit of what happened in the garden. The blame shifting yeah. of it's the woman you gave me, or it's hey, she, you know, I didn't, you know. It's that blame shifting thing that we love to do instead of just saying, you know what? I think I'm responsible in some ways and I think I can grow and I think I could start being the change. And then for me, I'll see the ripple effect of grace um, in other people's lives around me, you know? Extreme ownership. (laughs) What's on you? Not always easy. Not always easy. But um, at the same time, Christianity isn't easy. Mm -hmm. We need him. Yeah. (laughs) We need him. We do. And so, man, I would love for you to pray so we can close this out. Father, I just thank you for your example and that through your son, you've not just shown us the way, but you've actually lived it out. And so in coming to you, we don't come to someone who is not sympathetic to our sufferings, but in in every way has been tempted like we have, has faced the things that we have, but you didn't give in to corruption as a response So, Lord, lift up your son in the life of everyone that's listening. Lord, reveal your son in the lives of everyone that is watching. Lord, and let his way be established in us so that we can see legitimate, measurable change and transformation in our generation. Lord, keep us, help us in every way so that we aren't the ones that that don't see the kind of breakthrough that I know that is filling your heart to bring mm-hmm. to our nations, to our families, to our societies. So let your grace abound in every way. And I bless those that are hearing, Lord, let the seed of God Bring forth all the fruit, not just now, but continually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I just, I, I'm just going to pray this as well. Lord, may we confess areas of our lives that need to be adjusted, God. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, that may we strengthen the weak arms and the weak limbs. And you, you talk about if we are legitimate sons and daughters, that we will receive the correction of the Lord, not just the encouraging prophetic words, not just the identity words, but that we would also receive correction. And Lord, I just pray that you would pull out of our hearts any root of pride, selfishness, Lord, that you would destroy offense in our lives. And if there is um, any wicked or crooked way on the inside of us, God, a mentality, a soul tie, a, a thought process that is hindering us from walking in your fullness and being a manifestation of you in the earth, Lord, I pray that you would uproot it. 
I pray that you would bring truth to it. I pray that our ears would be open to hear, our eyes would be open to see, our hearts would be sensitive to perceive, and that we would be quick to repent and that we would lay these things down in the mighty name of Jesus and that we would rather go through a process of walking this thing out and even facing painful things, that we would rather do that with you than perpetuate pain and lack of boundaries and and these things that just harm not only our lives, but the lives of your loved ones and our loved ones. And so I just pray that big decisions are made right now. I pray that hard choices are made right now. And I thank you for grace, that we would be gracious with ourselves in the process and that we'd be gracious with others in the process. And we just thank you, Heavenly Father. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, bro. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and talking about that. It's in, this is when we were talking about what do we, you know what are we going to share today? And you mentioned that mm-hmm. I was like, we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so we could probably talk for another two or three sessions on that mm-hmm. <laughs> or more. Yeah, we, can, <laughs> and we, so, we can gab. We can gab on it <laughs> and let the Lord have His way. And so I'm going to have you a lot more in the studio, bro. Thank you so much for coming and joining me today in the podcast, man. Yeah, it's a blessing. And for those who are watching or listening right now, make sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they could be blessed, they could be encouraged, they could be refreshed, they could be challenged by the gospel of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Um, Bless you guys. There's links in the description below. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you want to come encounter Jesus with us at Awaken Dallas, you want to hear the vision, hear the heart a bit of Awaken Dallas, come and join us February 17th. Um, We're renting a venue in downtown Dallas, and so all the details are going to be on our website, awakendallas.com. And so, and when it comes to other shows and everything, all the links are below. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Bless you. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You can also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org lifeportoutintl.org or you can go to destinyimage.com the audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you